the blast from our past network. Welcome back to Action Action on the BFOP Network. My name is John, and this is the podcast that watches all the action movies and puts them on our list of the greatest action movies of all time. This week on the podcast, we watched the 1990 Steven Seagal film, Marked for Death. But before we get into the movie, I want to introduce my co-host. Hello, James. Hello. And hey, Dustin. Hey. (laughs) How are you guys this week? Oh, I'm great. I'm hyped to talk about the gun-toting, pants-shitting... (laughs) <laughs> sex trafficking Steven Seagal. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, he's yeah. he's Always good when we have Seagal. Uh it's it's funny. We're recording this the day after um Angel as a um Juliana Margulies uh did an interview with Q, which is a, a pop culture uh interview show in on CBC where she goes into deep detail about uh almost being assaulted by Steven Seagal. Yeah. So it was nice to open oh. up the what's uh, the news app on my phone and see that Steven Seagal was at the top. Oh, so we're putting this out at a topical time then. Well, actually, it's funny <laughs> because uh, I just saw another article that came out that said Steven Seagal has been implicated in a some type of scheme to sell uh, in the drugs or something like that, uh, like like pharmaceutical drugs that didn't work to a African country. I believe so. Really? Yeah. I know he was trying to do like some Bitcoin thing too. Some man, crypto. our man Steven, he just he just never stops. He's just got something on the go all the time. A lot of a lot of you know uh, pokers in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you have to do to get banned from this podcast. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think you can. I mean, I don't know. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Steven Seagal just also joined a uh, a Just Russia for Truth party in Moscow. This guy is everywhere this week. Hmm. He's busy, busy boy. Oh, he also he gave uh, Maduro, Venezuela's Maduro, uh, received a samurai sword gift from the actor. Look at this. It's, he's everywhere. <laughs> and he also well, just. I mean, he, he you was, know, he, sorry. He, he listed he, a bulletproof mansion to. for sale in Arizona. <laughs> this guy is. <laughs> This is all in the, the last month. Proof mansion. Yeah, this is all like in the last he, month. He's given samurai swords to the Venezuelan guy because then he, I assume he'll use those to dispatch drug lords the same way that Seagal uses a sword in this film we're going to talk about today. Yeah. yeah. Before we get into the film, though, like I said, uh, did you guys watch anything? James, hit me. What's the new Zack Snyder? Army of the Army Dead? Army of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, so I watched Army of the Dead. Yeah, I watched um, it too. I, uh, it kept popping up on Netflix and actually Janine wanted to watch it. She was like, oh, let's watch it. So we watched it and I thought it had, you know, it had some good stuff in it. Like there was some interesting concept stuff, but it was just, it was just boring. It was long and it just, I don't know, like... It also had like some of the worst trope stuff where they're, you know, like the the skit from SNL, the Dear Sister, where they're, yeah, where they're like trying to explain something and then all of a sudden something else happens and it's like a repeat thing. 
So that's what was happening in the middle of like a, a siege where they're fighting. But then he like turns to another uh, actress or character and talks about like, I thought you and me were over and <laughs> we weren't going to last. And then they kill some more and it's like, you know, I care about you though. And it just like kept doing that over and over. And I'm like, is this a joke? Like, cause that's what it felt like. Yeah. I, I watched it as well. And I thought it was fucking awful. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I liked the setting and I liked the gore. Yeah. And that's, that's about it. Uh, the opening credit sequence was really fun. I thought, and then I should have shut it off at that point. Cause it's fucking terrible. It's just like, for one thing, he can't, you notice he doesn't focus the fucking camera ever. He's always constantly shifting in and out of it being blur. What's blurry in the background. And, and, and like, it's just like, it felt like I had a fucking piece of sleep stuck in my eye. Like the whole time I was watching the movie, I'm like rubbing my eyes. Like, cause there's why well, I, I can't see properly. Uh, yeah. What a beautiful it, way to put it. It was fucking <laughs> aggravating as hell to oh, watch. It's disgusting the way you describe that. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like if you had, Pink eye, you know, you had pink eye and you're trying to watch a movie. Oh, Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really didn't didn't like it. I, I, I don't think I'm going to watch any more of his movies at this point. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, uh, retroactively have stopped watching his movies since he made the uh, <laughs> the uh, Romero remake. Dawn of the Dead, yeah. Yeah, I that's, mean, the, that, that, that's a fun movie. That's the last, I think that's the last Snyder movie. I, oh, no. What else has he made since then? Well, I liked Watchmen. A lot of people. Uh, I guess I watched Watchmen. Did he make those after that? Yep. Dawn of the Dead was his first uh, feature. I don't know. I just I don't get this guy. I I just don't. I mean, people love him, obviously. Do they? Yeah, a lot. He's got. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that Schneider cut, John. And two and a half hours. Why the fuck is that movie two and a half hours long? Well, exactly. Makes sense. Just because he doesn't have to be reined in by any anybody. it could have been two hours shorter. <laughs> I'm, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I mean, the good thing about it being on Netflix is if you want to have some fun, you know, you can throw it on, watch that opening credit sequence, and then turn it the fuck off. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I watched that, and then I watched uh, The Protector. It's been a while since we recorded, so I can't remember what I said last time or what I've watched since then. But that's fine. watched... Uh, Jackie Chan movie The Protector um, I thought it was good I thought it was uh, kind of weird for a Jackie Chan movie it, I think it's like a, a Amer- his like first or one of his first American movies yeah um, that was his first attempt to break into the American market right but it just the way it's shot it's a little weird like it, it definitely they're trying to have that American style but also have that Hong Kong style, but I, I feel like there's some misses. There's also some like weird sex stuff in it um, where they end up going to like a massage parlor and the one guy, his um, partner, he he like talks about back in Nam, you know, the girls back in Nam, and then he's like getting on a massage table that has like a hole for his dick. And then a girl goes on like a, a creeper, you know, for under a car and like goes underneath the table. Like, it's just weird stuff that's hmm. in the movie. So Thumb, I wouldn't say thumb sideways. 
thumb sideways. Um, I think if you're going through the whole Jackie Chan catalog, you know, you probably need to watch it for sure. But um, the wouldn't army be, wouldn't be near the top of your list. It wouldn't be near the top, no. Especially Jackie Chan wouldn't be near the top. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna say that's all I watched this week. Dustin, what about you? Uh, for uh, Seek, I, I I've been kind of in a weird mood for '90s thrillers lately, so I went back and I watched Breakdown, the Kurt Russell '97 uh, movie. Did you either? Of you guys ever see that? No. He's a truck driver. Uh, no, he's no, on oh, a road black, trip. That's Black Dog. Black Dog with Patrick Swayze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he's on a cross country road trip with his wife. Um, they run into some car trouble after meeting some weird redneck guys. Um, and then his wife, you know, hitches a ride with a uh, like a semi truck driver to yeah uh, to go get help for the the vehicle. And then you know she doesn't show up. And then Kurt Russell he manages to fix it on his own and he goes to where she was supposed to be going and nobody's seen her and she's just kind of disappeared. So then it's about him trying to find what happened to his wife. I have seen this oh. movie. Yeah. I, I watched it, I think, in the early 2000s for some reason. Yeah. It's really fucking good. Like, as a thriller, it's super fast-paced. It's ninety tight 90, um, and once it, like, gets going after its initial, you know, setup stuff, it, like, it runs on, like, full speed, I'd say. Uh, there's some good action set pieces in it. It's just really fun. J.T. Walsh plays the the villain uh he was one of my favorite character actors unfortunately he died not long after this movie was made um but yeah it's just really fun actually and i wouldn't mind if we did it on the show at some point down the road because it has a couple of big action set pieces in it so i think it could qualify cool uh and what's a destroy miss, oh a miss yeah, a destroy. destroy uh i'm gonna go with uh those who wish me dead which is another new taylor sheridan joint Starring Angelina Jolie I had some pretty hot opinions on the trailer um, I My first problem is that You can't watch an Angelina Jolie movie Without realizing it's Angelina Jolie Yeah, um, that's the thing Like, So she's playing a pretty normal Sort of person in this movie um, And it just doesn't work Like she's not actually doing a bad job I don't think But it's just, you can't you just can't look at her as somebody other than Angelina Jolie. So it's like she's kind of cursed in that regard, I think. Um, and then it's got John Barenthal, uh, Aiden Gillen from The Wire is in it. He's really good. Him and Nicholas Holt are a pair of hitmen, and they're actually probably my favorite part of the movie. But it just, again, didn't really work for me, much like the Sheridan script for that Without Remorse with Michael B. Jordan, it just feels like it's halfway there. It's like half baked, some good ideas. So there's some good, good moments and stuff, but just didn't really come together in a satisfying way to me. Is this a, like a Netflix movie or something or no, Uh, it's, 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 I was going to say it's a, it's a theatrical release. Like I just, I'm looking at it right now. It's kind of weird because, um, and we're in Canada obviously. So I'm not used to seeing showtimes for, movies pop up but yeah. because we're so close to bellingham showtimes for it pop up which is super super fucking weird um but yeah it's in it's a theatrical release i think you can pay like 25 bucks right now and rent yeah, it you can watch on oh, hbo max or yeah. hbo max yeah crave or yeah the reason i ask is just because um 
I don't know. I find with Netflix, like uh, the old guard, then the what was the other one that came out around the same time? Um, oh, Extraction. Extraction, Without Remorse. Like these movies, they're all like they're almost there, but yeah, they're missing something. So I don't know if it's just something with. Netflix or like the streaming service? Uh, I don't know. I, I have my opinion is is that they're not for the most part buying movies that we're gonna love. They're buying movies that can be watched in multiple languages um, by lots of people. Maybe people who I'm not saying I'm not gonna go into judging who has better quality taste in movies based on their country, but. Like different markets have different things that they want. We've talked about that with like how distributors bought action films in the 80s and stuff like that. So I think that what these films do is they translate really easily. Um, You get the gist of it. You understand what's happening. And they're just okay. But because of their okayness, they work well worldwide and more people watch them. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you're going for like a middle ground mediocrity. Yeah, it's almost uh, just like you're just feeding them, feeding people stuff so they keep watching things mm-hmm. without having to be like, it doesn't have to be critically great. And then what they get to do is they get to drop like, um, uh, what's the movie that came a couple of years ago, the one like Best Picture, um, the Mexican film or the Irishman. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Roma. You know, yeah, they get to drop these like, these like big, say like, these big more prestige things yeah prestige films award films and then that kind of still gives them credibility but most of what they're pumping out is just like you know sixes middle of the road so now this movie what like you said john is a theatrical release but it definitely has the feeling of one of these sort of streaming movies to me like yeah there was a i forget who i was talking to or i wasn't talking to anybody um i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how there needs to be this middle ground for films, um, movies that aren't, they're not like, uh, what's the word? They're not theatrical releases and that's okay. Uh, they were discussing the movie American pickle with Seth Rogen and how it's Mm -hmm. a great like middle movie where it's still really high quality, but it goes on to HBO or Amazon or whatever. And that's okay. Like that's, and, and I think that a lot of movies are starting to to fall into that. And some movies like possibly the way this one sounds is that it actually belongs on that tier below, but it's being pushed into theaters because that's how it's also like, there hasn't been much for people to see in theaters and in, you know, in, in America where people can start to go see them again in other markets. Um, you know, well, let's, we got to throw something out there for people yeah. to watch. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I go ahead. Are you sorry? Oh, I was just going to say with Sheridan, uh, it's kind of a disappointing at this point. Like he directed this one as well. Yeah. And I feel like he's just doing better when he can focus on the writing and somebody else, uh, like I say, I Denny Villeneuve, uh, can take his material and then together they can make something special. But I, yeah, anyway. I totally agree because like I love like Sicario. I love um, Hell or High Water is so good. Then he directed Wind. Did he direct Wind River? He directed Wind River, and that's the one thing he did himself that I really like. Um, 
Yeah, but I still wonder movie. if it would have been better. Yeah, I had somebody possibly. else. But my destroy is a kids movie <laughs> that I watched yesterday, <laughs> which sucked. <laughs> called Dog on Trouble. So don't watch Dog that. Dog on Trouble. Well, my kids loved don't. it actually. I so maybe it doesn't suck. This is another straight to Netflix Disney. It's not a Disney movie. Uh, Netflix movie. It's well, got, they watched that uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Thing? Yeah, that, that movie rules. And yeah, I heard that was good. It is actually really good, and they really like that one. This is a. Uh, it's cast is super weird, and it's got some problematic people in it. Um, I mean, people Steven, I would consider Steven Seagal. <laughs> people I would consider problematic. Uh, it's got some weird. It's got like Big Sean. It's not no no trouble there. But I'm saying like Big Sean, Pamela Adeline, uh, Lucy Hale, and then you've got Wilder Valderrama. Um, oh yeah, that guy's a still kicking around. Fucking creep. Um, Cope. I don't know who this guy is. You know him, Dustin? Oh, Colby Lopez. He's Seth Rollins. Oh, Seth Rollins. Seth is Rollins. In the film? Yeah, Damon Wayans Jr. But then you keep going down, and then you get into like Jim Cummings, who's like, this is like. Ooh, I like Jim Cummings. Is Wait, he, is that who I'm thinking of? He's Winnie he the, the guy that made the Wolf of Snow Snow Hollow. No, no, no. Jim Cummings is the voice of like Winnie the Pooh. Oh, okay. And sorry. I'm pretty sure he's been like excommunicado from Disney for creepy shit. Oh, Jim Cummings is also the guy that made Wolf of Snow Hollow. They're both named Jim this Cummings. This is Jim Cummings 1. Yeah, okay, so he's done voices for yeah. tons of cartoons. But that's neither he, just did one, he just did one for Wreck-It Ralph recently. Oh, did he? That's neither here nor there. The movie I want to talk about is a film called Plan B. Have you guys heard of it? I don't think so. Okay, so this Plan just... Plan B? Yeah. This just came out on Hulu. Uh, it's So far, it's rocking 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's directed by, uh, I heard this on another podcast, uh, Natalie Morales was on it. You guys know who Natalie Morales is? She's from, uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. She was on Santa Clarita Diet, Abby's. Oh yeah. Yeah. I recognize her. Yeah. So she directed it and it's like a teen comedy, like with two girls. I mean, like we're getting a lot of these now with like book smart and stuff like that. Yeah. This movie's it's, it's fucking funny. It's really funny. It's really good. Like I've never heard of these people before, these people in it, um, but they're super good. Um, oh, yeah, I just added it, added it to my watch list. It's it's really funny. Rachel Dratch shows up for a second. Uh, Edie Patterson, um, uh, Jade Chander Shakar shows up. Oh yeah, uh, it's really funny. It's about them just trying to get a Plan B pill, um, and how hard like, you know there's they have to go across the state because they're in like South Dakota. Um, so yeah, it's just really funny and it's cool to see movies like this and I hope they keep making more of them. So I hope more I hope a lot of people go see this film. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. That sounds fun. Movies that I wouldn't recommend well, let's get to you right now. James, roll the trailer for Mark for Death. <laughs> Jamaican gangs known as posses are now dominating the American drug trade. In Above the Law, he got tough. Who's that? John Hatcher. DEA. In Hard to Kill, he got even. This is not the time for you to walk out of me. I've had enough. He thinks she's retired. He still looks functional to me. Now, the man with the short fuse is marked for death. I want you to meet my sister, goddess of fire. Steven Seagal is John Hatcher. 
He's dead. And he don't even know it. A good cop. Your family has been marked. In a bad mood. I don't think he's going to get the chance. What are you planning to do? I'm going to take out the posse. One thought he was invincible. The other thought he could fly. They were both wrong. Who do you fear? Him. Or me? I'm gonna deliver you into the light. Steven Seagal is marked for death. It's my silent partner. But this time, he's bringing out the big guns. Steven Seagal, marked for death. Are you some kind of cop? Nah, I'm just a concerned citizen. So, Marked for Death, 1990 film starring Steven Seagal, uh... Keith David, I don't really recognize anybody else. Dustin, do you? Like by name? There's a few people. Uh, the guy that plays the villain now, now I can't think of his name. But Basil um, Wallace. Yeah, Basil Wallace. Oh, and um, Tom Wright, like Joanna Pacula. Like I know those those yeah. people. Uh, Danielle Harris, she's been in lots of stuff. Yeah, so the film. She's the, she's the, she's the little girl. A former narcotics agent travels to Jamaica to seek re- vengeance against the villainous drug kingpin who tried to kill him and his family. I guess so. I mean, that's that's a small part. That's where he ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's the end. Yeah. <laughs> but um, let's get right into the movie, James. Why'd you pick this film? Well, you know, unlike Under Siege Two, where I thought it was awesome, this movie, I remember. You uh, thought it, it was awesome, but then we watched it, and it wasn't that awesome. No, no, yeah, no. This movie, I thought it, I thought it was great. I thought it was like, ah, oh, you know, Out for Justice is better, and this and that. But then I watch this and I'm like, no, man, like this movie slaps. <laughs> All right. This movie, this movie's got some shit going on. I mean, it's got some hardcore violence in this movie that they even had to cut back to get an R rating. Yeah, it's like, pretty violent. It's, it's a, pretty it's violent. It's got to be one of Seagal's more uh, violent movies, I would think. Also, this movie, you see Steven Seagal get thrown into a mirror. Yeah. Well, so you see he, a stunt double with a bad wig on get thrown well, into yeah, mirror, yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> he also breaks a lot of limbs in this movie. Yeah, so. that's always one of my favorite Seagull moves for sure, when he breaks the arms over his shoulder and stuff. Oh, and he just like, it's just so over the top. He just, the cracking sound, like I just, it's <laughs> it's glorious. It's glorious, guys. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Why I picked this movie? I picked this movie because we haven't done Steven Seagal in a long time. I think it's been like um, over, I think about a year, yeah. Yeah, about a year. For whatever reason, the, the line that sticks out to me from this movie <laughs> is this line. One thought he was invincible, the other thought he could fly. So? They were both wrong. And that line, it just, I don't know, it just sticks, sticks with me. And I'm like, I got to go back. I also love, I'm sure it's like extremely racist, um, but it is racist. But uh, I love, (laughs) (laughs) I I love the Jamaican, uh, the Jamaican gang. The same as in Predator 2. Like the Jamaican. These movies are released the same year. Both have Jamaican drug gang wars with voodoo. With the voodoo and shit. Like, 
Man, this this movie is fucking amazing, guys. <laughs> wow, you're selling <sighs> it. You're selling it. Yeah, uh, I I enjoy this movie for sure. I, I think um, I think now <clears throat> it's probably my close second favorite after Out. I still I think still think Out for, Out for Justice is my number one, but I'd put this right right behind it. I think. Uh, yeah, there is definitely problematic elements. The whole the depiction of Jamaicans. That's a that's oh a yeah. Whole other but sure. do you remember in ball of? Uh, do you ball. remember in the eighties and nineties though? Like that was a thing that people were afraid of. Was like Jamaican gangs and stuff like that. It's it, it runs through all action movies of that time. Not all, but like whenever Jamaicans are are mentioned, it's always like how they're these vicious gangs. Yeah, and I don't even think it's just Jamaicans. Like, there was a period of time where anyone that was kind of you could represent as sort of an other that was it, alien to the to the general American populace. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm you could sort I, of depict in a. Yeah, I agree, but there was a very specific. It was Jamaican. It was Haitian. It was like yeah, sure, yeah. these. Yeah, because of, because of these like black magic elements, you can yeah, bring the into voodoo the story, shit. right? Yeah, like and. and and yes, I, I think that, you know, we can, if we want, we can dig into why that's, you know, offensive. But it is, it is, I think, somewhat effective in the movie in terms of making this, this is a lot more atmospheric, I think, than almost any other Seagal movie we've watched. Oh, yeah. And you, and you get, like, actual horror movie vibes with, like, the totally. way that they set up the Scarface, or a Screwface villain. Yeah. And, you know, we see that he has a double and they're kind of toying with this idea. Like, is there some sort of magic actually going on here? Oh, man. You know, I forgot about that. And that got me. That got me. The twin got you? The twin. I I was like, oh, shit. I didn't remember anything. It's Seagal's face. Oh, man. it was. I didn't remember anything from this movie. And I, I, when she says something, she's like, he's got two faces and four eyes. I was like, oh, he's got a twin. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah, but they do it in a fun way where it's like because they're also showing like there's that woman that tries to do some sort of uh, a spell yeah, curse. In, the, in the tub well, and she, whatever, she, and then and then he wakes up out of his dream because she's yeah. cursed him. Well, there's and he goes and sacrifices her. Yeah, that it's like that um, more like that Mexican style of black magic, like battling with the. The, Santeria yeah. or, or something, right? Well, and I, to the filmmaker's credit, they do that where he wakes up, which is good. And then near the end of the film, um, when the cop gets killed, he gets stabbed in the back. And there's the big reveal that Screwface has a brother. Like there's they're twins. Yeah. yeah there's, two. there's like the, it almost looks, because he's, he's holding the head, right? And it almost looks like he gets possessed for a second when he gets stabbed in the back. No, oh, on deaf ears. You're, see, you're seeing an ex, you saw like an expression on his face when he. Got I saw an expression. That, yeah, that was like I thought that was kind of similar because for a second before you realize there's like a beat where before you see that it's Screwface like 2.0, that it looks like oh wait a second is there actually some kind of like magic that he has? I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah I think there's just enough in there to like make you to like question it. Uh, you know when he wakes up that like. For whatever reason, when he wakes up after, um, yeah, that woman is doing that. The like, woman is in, doing yeah. that. It instantly reminded me of Ninja Turtles, nice. where, where I think it's Raph wakes up. And yeah, it's like Splinter. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh man, it all, got me. It all, it co- got it me. all comes back to Ninja Turtles. <laughs> 
it, it all, all comes back. To <laughs> it all comes back. Do we want to just get? Uh, out? We, we should. We should get into the synopsis. Well, we I want to get one thing. I did. I did. Sorry, I read the synopsis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, sorry. I want to get one that. more thing out of the way. Um, the excessive use of the phrase "blood clot" is not. It's a blood clot. Not fun. <laughs> what? Come on. So I did a little research into it, and apparently, have you guys seen like the meme, the bomb? I don't. I don't know how to pronounce this, so please forgive me. But the um, bomble clot. Uh, clot. Yeah, that that <laughs> meme. No. Uh, no, no. Okay, so it's the meme where like, look it up, but it's it's usually on Black Twitter and stuff like that. Of like something happens and then that's the expression. It means like fuck or like holy shit or whatever. Um, right. So like that's how they usually say it, is like bumble cat, <clears throat> but in this movie they say blood clot, like very. American, right? Well, they, they don't they also say bum- they see it like they see it like once, but they say blood clot throughout the film a lot. Yeah, I mean, it hits all the like you know, stereotypical Jamaican sort of uh accent things, and like they say the I and I and all you know, all that stuff a lot. I uh, well, I, I mean, read. like, uh, other than the fact that they're obviously drug dealing a drug dealing gang right other than Screwface, who you know has some kind of mystical power over everyone else no nobody else in the gang really says much of anything no, other they just, than they just have like you know they have some brief lines before they get killed by Seagull kind of yeah thing. usually they're just yeah. yelling lines while they're fighting and then there's a couple guys that have lines where they when they get confronted by Seagull yeah yeah, but there's no like Seagal's not you know saying some kind of slur to them or anything like that. Like, no, I think I think the movie like uh, I mean yes, I think the movie's depictions are are racist and simplistic. I, I think they try to like balance that out by having the one cop character who's Jamaican, and then they when they go to Jamaica, we have a few shots of them sort of seeing the culture and the people, and like Keith David has that little. Uh, conversation with with Tom Wright's character where he's like, "Hey, I got to apologize to you, man. Like, I just thought it was all a bunch of rastas with dreads smoking weed here and stuff like that." And he's like, and then he's talking about, "Oh no, like you know, it's just like any other place. Like, there's people who are ha- having hard times and they make bad decisions and whatever." So I think they try to like soften the blow. I'm not saying that that's a, a balance that is struck here, but. I think they are like making some I, sort of small effort. I think they do a better job than most movies of this time, though. Yeah, actually, that's probably true. Uh, maybe because most movies of this time just don't do this. I mean, a, I a lot know. of movies just 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 don't have incredibly racist depictions of. Well, I think a lot of action movies like I this think so. had all kinds of had all kinds of. I'm I'm not yeah I'm depictions like this. Yeah, I think you're. I'm not going to disagree with you. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but we're also not the right people to be deciding. Yeah, I mean that's that's about as much as I want to get yeah, into. Yeah, because too. we're not we're not the the professionals who can really break all this apart. Yeah, <laughs> no, really, we should be talking to the professor from this movie who knows everything about these voodoo games. Yeah, the way the posse's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jo- Joanna Pacula's character. She uh, she was Kurt Russell's wife in Tombstone, the one that was addicted to laudanum. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but you know. She's got a pretty small part in this. We don't get a whole lot of her character, which 
I was fine with. She didn't seem particularly interesting on the page or on the I screen mean, in this. I mean, I laugh pretty hard when Seagal goes to meet her to get advice. And she's like, oh, it's not often I meet a, a nice guy that isn't uh, gay trying to find themselves or this, that, <laughs> and the other. And it's like... This movie is like every just, cliche. Yeah, exactly. And then even earlier when she first sees him, like, oh, who's that guy? Oh, he thinks he's retired. He looks pretty fit still, or whatever she says. <laughs> hey, man, you see Seagal, you take notice. That ponytail, oh, that, that, ponytail. that tall drink of water, come on. Oh, yeah. I wonder if there's a sex scene cut out of this film. Yeah, it could be. It feels like uh, it. Well, because it feels like they're playing at a romance thing there, but then they never really do anything with it. Um, so the but, first, you know, the opening James is James yeah. is bread and butter. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad they cut it. <laughs> opening the scene of this movie is pretty interesting. This is the first time I think I've ever seen Danny Trejo. Yeah, Danny Trejo pops up, but also, I mean, we get that beautiful Seagull running right oh, off the oh, bat. Totally, man. His hands are everywhere. His hands are flying. I showed Gene last night because I rewatched the movie. We we had, we originally were supposed to record over a week ago, so I thought, well, I'm gonna rewatch it. Yeah, uh, I took an edible. Sat in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and so I made Gene watch that part. I was like, you got to see how Steven Seagal runs because it's just bizarre. Like, and we've talked about it before, but this movie might have the best examples of it. Like right off the bat, we get it. And then even after this initial confrontation with these drug dealers and when everything goes south, uh, he does a short run in the building from one place to like the door frame. Yeah, and even that little run is like ri- looks ridiculous. He is yeah. he is flaring. the anti Tom Cruise. Like he is the anti Tom Cruise <laughs> yeah. of running. Yeah. Well, because what he does is like, so if you ever see him, even when he's standing or just walking around, his back it's like his back is just straight, and there's like a board attached to his back. He can't bend his back at all. But then his elbow is locked to the side of him. So his elbow's locked to the side. Then his hand is out. Like, uh, it's like a velociraptor. Like, and, and then it just shakes back and forth. Like it's, uh, it's, it, that, it's, that opening it's scene is beautiful. like, yes, we're getting the running out of the mm. way right off the bat. I love it. Uh, also but yeah, in there this, is something like, weird about his posture, isn't there? Because even way later at the end of the movie when he's having the sword fight, he kind of has like a weird stance where he's like very upright and he kind of holds the sword in a strange yeah. way out in front of him. It's called discipline, yeah. motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you guys don't know how to stand and or it's run. because we, we don't know Aikido. Yeah, okay. He's running for efficiency. He can get attacked at any moment while running and his hands will just snap out and he'll be able to just Aikido somebody to the ground. So it's interesting. I... I was like, I did like the smallest amount of research for this, but it, it's interesting at the time they talked about how it was, he was a a refreshing addition to the action movie um, genre because he wasn't like Stallone or Schwarzenegger and he wasn't like Van Damme because he wasn't as flexible, <laughs> but he... <laughs> But he like he was like a stand alone like he kind of was like a, yeah, he kicks one person in this movie you guys <laughs> well wow he he's almost like a more of an everyday kind of guy like a standard person you know like he's just well, uh, he's a six foot five appeal. like 
Yeah, his appeal is that he's really tall. He did yeah. have, and we talked about this with Above the Law, he does have a screen presence. Like, he does seem like a, a, a cool motherfucker in some ways. Absolutely. I don't, I'm not going to say he's cool, but I do think he has a screen presence. <laughs> That'd be a step too far. Uh, like, I, I, I think when watching this film, I, I've said this in a couple of the movies we watched with him, I understand why he could have been a star. Like yeah. or why he was a star you can for see a time. Why he, yeah, he had that window where he broke in. Um, um, see, I think if he kept making movies exactly like this, he he would have continued. But what I think what happened is like after this movie came out, he actually sued to get like ninety five percent credit for writing the movie because he said he rewrote the movie. Yeah, and he he, lo- he lost that case, right? He he lost that case. He should have got but, Seagal's lawyers. <laughs> Stallone's, you mean? Oh, Stallone. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Stallone's. Yeah, um, it's kind of an interesting script when you like actually listen to what Seagal is saying throughout the movie. He's like, "Listen, you want no part of this? Like, leave it alone." Like, he's trying to just like. Well, he's a he's a jaded drug agent, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's quit the he's quit the whatever the force. Yeah. And he's saying like you can't you can't win this war like yeah exactly it comes in like his his buddy Keith David wants to like ag- attack these Jamaican guys he keeps selling seeing selling drugs at the high school and he's just like yeah like it's not just Jamaicans though it's everybody like there's just no plugging all these holes you know like it's the the parable of the 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 hole sprung a leak in the in the dam right you can't yeah talking about the little yeah, Dutch exactly. boy in the dike. Yeah, yeah, the Dutch boy, yeah. Uh, I, um, I I get the politics of this movie. I mean, to a point. Uh, like, when he's that jaded cop who doesn't want to get involved, and he's like, this entire thing is broken. It doesn't work. There's no such thing as ending it. It's never going to end. I'm like, yeah, man, fucking preach. Like, that's great. But then he always doesn't believe in anything because he, like, just switches on a dime. All of a well, sudden, he switches on a dime once his niece is hurt. Yeah, right? okay, but all of a sudden, fucking Keith David, this guy's a goddamn fucking high school football coach is all of a sudden now mowing people down and just like <laughs> he has a look he's, he's more champion at the bit than Seagal he has an assault yeah. rifle at one point and he just like street sweeps an entire fucking warehouse full of Jamaicans hey you gotta do what you gotta do John he's trying to protect his own backyard John yeah <laughs> Sick and tired of this shit. I like that scene, though, when we go to the high school and, you know, Seagal has showed up to see him and their old buddies and they haven't seen each other in a long time. And like they see that we get those little bits for the Jamaican guys. <laughs> that teenager is smoking yeah. weed. And he's like, oh, wow. Yeah, man, that's that's cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's I mean, so cheesy. I like how uh, Screwface is, I think Screwface is wearing a Letterman jacket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I, oh, wait, I don't know. was that Screwface in that no, scene? No, that wasn't Screwface. No, it was one, of his, one of his guys, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Now I'm being racist. I liked all that stuff. I was like, oh, man, I, these guys offered me crack. I might do it. These guys seem these guys seem with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's saying, oh, yeah, we got, we got crack, too. And, and the girl's like, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, man. The real drug, drug PSA going on right there. I mean, uh, so Seagal doesn't get into it until... Uh, his niece gets shot and then you get okay actually sorry I'll stop there before that this whole scene where he goes home but it's 
I don't know whose house it is. I'm guessing it's his mom. They never actually say in the backyard. Well, there's a sister is there with her daughter, but then there's that other woman who's like older um, with an accent that is somebody. Don't say that it's his mom. No, I thought maybe it was supposed to be his aunt or something. I don't think it's his mom because she doesn't come back into it, does she? No. No, I she's at see, the hospital later. See, oh yeah, I, the barbecue, and then at the hospital, and that's kind of. But it, it just—it doesn't make any sense because then he goes up to his childhood room. Yeah, yeah. His phone, his old pictures are on the wall, and his like old guns that he starts. And he pretends to fix a gun. So is that? <laughs> that's like the anti-Chekhov's gun. Yeah, because it's like that little handheld uh, pistol that you squeeze in your fist yeah. and you're thinking oh it's showing him work on this this is definitely coming back later because right? he totally should have used it <laughs> he should have killed the second screw face with it well i wonder if they if he used it later in the movie and that, that was something that got cut too because it doesn't make any sense that they show him working on that and then it just doesn't come back yeah i but i just i found that weird um but anyways the the part where there's the drive-by which I thought was awesome. It's like a lethal weapon style drive-by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when his sister is like, Johnny! Johnny! They hurt my <laughs> yeah, baby! Johnny! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, bitch, she should have she gotten down faster. Uh, I said get down. I, <laughs> six like, this is all your fault, Johnny. But the thing is, he hadn't gotten involved at that point. Yes, all he did. done was... He did, but not. He wasn't like involved. Involved, like he was at the bar when those guys tried to kill people, and he stopped them. And that was like that was it, right? No, he no. He, the all he did was he stopped the one guy from killing the one, the guy. one guy, and that was it. He, Everyone so he else is dead. He wasn't in at that point, right? Well, then by shooting up his house, now they've fucked up. Oh yeah, so, well, oh they fucked. It's up. the immigrants' <laughs> fault, right, Dustin? Absolutely. Well, I mean, well, then uh, he, <laughs> then he got the chalk drawing on his floor of the the house, yeah. So the and family is marked. I gotta death. say, I do like yeah, all that. For I do like all that voodoo occult shit. I love it. I love it. I should be in more movies. We need more occult stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that. I also love when they're at the hospital and he's talking to the doctor. There's like that trope where the doctor pulls the the curtain back. And then he's like standing right there and he's like, yeah, it's not looking good. And then Seagal's like, you take care of her like she's the president. Like she's the president of the United States. Is it, we take, you hear me? Like yeah. she's the president. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, we take care of everybody. And he's like, like the president. No, listen, like the president. <laughs> I also like in all these movies, which I've started to notice, is that you got to spot the, the portrait of the president. It's somewhere in the movie. And this, you get it in the scene in the office with the DA agent where he's like, you can't quit. Was it Bush Sr.? Yeah, it was Bush Sr. in the background. Yeah, yeah. But you always got to get it in there. It was in there in uh, Cobra. Yeah, Cobra. He had had the Reagan picture on his wall. Yeah. I've never been in like a fucking police station, really. But like, don't cops in the States always have like their dear leaders on the wall? Like whenever they're yeah, but why in your office? Like I get out in the common area, so you can area, jerk off you know? to it. <laughs> oh, so okay. you can remember what it's all about. Yeah, it's all about freedom. You use Edge all week while you're just looking at George Senior. <laughs> <laughs> just getting a sh- uh-huh. yeah. Um, but yeah, I like I like all the screw face stuff. Like he, the guy, uh, Basil. I forgot his name already. Sorry, Basil Wallace. 
He, I think he does a great job in this. He's, he's super awesome. menacing. He's creepy yep. as hell. He's got an intensity to him. Like I think all of the Jamaican gang people are all awesome. Everything about all of that, including the Jamaican cop, are all fucking great. Yeah. You yeah. kill him, or I'll kill him, and then I'll kill you. Yeah, he's scary. He's a scary dude. Like, like how he rips the leg off the fucking table and just... <laughs> starts beating on the guy. Yeah, he knocks the guy out and then threatens the other guy. All that stuff is cool. Yeah, and I mean, going back to the violence, too, like, it just... Um, I don't know, like... I think that's maybe one of the things that I liked about the Seagal movies too when I was younger was that even compared to say Van Damme who's like probably his biggest contemporary at the time Seagal movies just had a harder edge to them they felt like he's not fucking around like he fi- he's fighting those guys in that when was he have that action set piece at that jewelry store when those guys crash yeah. the car into the jewelry store yeah. the guy comes at him with a knife and he like you know he twists him around he takes the knife and he just stabs him in the chest with it there's no like I'm a cop, so I'm not. I shouldn't kill anybody. It's I mean, like, no, I'm was, going to fucking kill every one of you in the brutal fashion. Sort that of was thing. pretty crazy. Like it, it accelerates quickly. Like he just straight up. <laughs> I also thought in that scene, like, so he's shooting, and he runs out of bullets. He just throws his gun on the ground, and it's just like, yeah, like yeah, he's he not reload. In, he doesn't like it, fuck reloading. I just pull out another gun. <laughs> but like he's in America. Like he doesn't think that there's like some kids gonna like pick up this gun or something. No, not that. But like that, you know, they can't get fingerprints off oh, of this. Right, that yeah. he's just well, a he just can with that. do whatever the fuck he wants. So I because late when he kills the first Screwface, he just drops the sword that he used to do it. And I mean, I realize he's in Jamaica, but I, I mean, I'm assuming they have some sort of I don't, police who investigate. I don't think they have like there. extradition from. America to Jamaica but uh, I think that his movie logic is is that at the, at the in the scene at the beginning when his boss is like we need you take a month off take two months off paid of course like we're supposed to be kind of get this idea that he's above everything and that he'll get away with it like yeah I, I get that's what I get from it what doesn't make any sense is this fucking high school football coach that just goes rogue <laughs> okay, well, He's ex-military. Come on, yeah, John. I assume that he's like an ex-military. You assume they I don't. Some, they it, did some shit together in the past. No, there was a picture in his like his child, you know, his bedroom when he was a kid. There's a picture of him together in like I don't know basic training or some shit. I don't know something like that. Also, my neighbor has decided to mow his lawn, so he's like right outside my window. Tell him, tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> uh, but you know, like that, the stuff with Keith David is kind of funny because obviously. We're not doing a lot of heavy. He's not doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. Like that whole jewelry store uh, action scene. Uh, they both come in the door, and he's like, "Okay, you go right, and I'll go left." And then so Seagal goes left, and then he kills all the guys. And then at the end, Keith David runs up and knocks out one guy with his sh- butt of his shotgun. <laughs> I like, hey, yeah. thanks, thanks for coming, Keith. It's probably a pretty sweet deal for Keith David because he just kind of doesn't have to do a lot. But yeah, he- I mean, he's a, he's a little more involved in the like attack on the base at the end but um, i mean he's definitely going to be up on all those murder charges just like seagal right but he'll it's not like easy. he'll be like it's not like he'll be like oh no i actually didn't do all the killing i was just <laughs> there watching him do all the killing <laughs> i was like where was he this whole time he's like kind of hiding somewhere in the store and then he's like okay he's he's pretty much finished them all off i'll, I'll come in there now <laughs> yeah knock out one guy uh, I do like that Julie store uh, fight because 
just so much glass is broken in this scene. <laughs> yeah. And I it reminded me of uh what was it, Out for Justice, the end where he just like takes um William Forsythe and like throws him around the kitchen. Yeah, and just like beating the shit out of him. Just tossing beating him the shit around. Out. Like that's what Seagal likes to do. He likes to toss guys around <laughs> and then he completely like breaks their arm or leg and like crumbles it like not just one crack but it's like crack 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 it's just well that's in, the, in that scene we get that good wrist break on that guy where he takes him down has him in that like arm lock and then pushes through to like snap his wrist that, that's pretty gnarly i'm actually like surprised you don't see that more in action movies now you don't really see that that often yeah it was a it was a definitely a seagull <laughs> trademark there for a while oh. they should bring it back i want to jump back to Something that I loved actually in the opening sequence when they're chase, uh, when they're it's not the opening sequence, they're escaping after the shootout in the factory when they get um exposed as being D agents, yeah. They're like they're in like the brothel, right? And his partner gets fucking obliterated by that hooker, yeah, lit up <laughs> sex worker. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Yes, he gets shot to death by the topless prostitute. Yeah, that shit ruled. <laughs> we need more of that. that and, then awesome. and then Seagull just blows her away, like through the wall with he, a bunch of shots. He eliminated her. <laughs> like he. Yeah, I mean that scene. That scene was funny. I mean, it also, you know, it had to show her on the bed, dead, with the gun, like perfectly placed. Like, I just, I feel like this movie is so tropey. Like, there's so many tropes in this movie i don't know like to me it's like it's got everything really <laughs> it's it's like the best of seagal really uh, it's definitely up there among its best i mean it, it it's pretty entertaining there's a lot of fun shit going on but going back to like when they first get involved in everything when the jamaican guys come to assassinate who are those guys like italians or something at the at the uh, bar at the bar they're, they're colombians I love that this bar is supposed to be some like really cool joint, but it's like looks like a fucking Boston pizza inside. <laughs> oh, okay. So I have a question about that. Is that is that the same bar that's at the end of the movie? Uh, I, don't I don't think know. so. I don't understand. Are because they're back in America at the end, right? Yes, at the end they come back. Yeah. To America. Okay. Because they don't actually show them leaving or coming back, do they? Uh, no, they show them. Yeah, they show them going there, but they don't show well, them coming they, back. Do they show them on a plane or something, or a plane taking off? They they show a plane taking off. Oh, okay. yeah. I must have just somehow missed that because I felt like there was no indication that they were actually somewhere else at first. Because I was like, yeah. why are they? And I also don't understand why they're making all their own bullets and shit. Yeah, and they're like putting oh, together I, their own their own assault weapons and stuff. Yeah, like they're, like they're making ordinances, and I don't I don't get it. I mean, it's awesome. It's it's the um, it's the classic Rambo. It's the classic. Yeah, it's the classic regrouping, getting your team a ready. Team, a um, team getting ready for their final fight. I, I, I think they I were doing all that stuff because they needed components that they could break down and hide in that, you know, they hide it in those uh, camera equipment and stuff because they're bringing it they're bringing it into another country. Oh, right. Totally. But they also I love like, how equipped he just them with like, these heavy duty silencers. Sorry, go ahead, James. I love how he just like shoots the crap out of that hanging piece of meat. That yeah. for whatever reason is just hanging there. I don't know. Like, so this brings up a, a question then that I thought because if they're back in America, that means how did they get that head through customs? Yeah, 
He's a he's DEA man, and no one like, knew he had no it because no that would have no smelled bag. pretty gross. I think there's like a lot of flies buzzing around your bat, your luggage, sir. What's going on there? Like he's in a it bowling like ball case, rancid like, meat. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's a bowling ball case. Well, yeah, like, they bring that? the head back somehow. <laughs> I mean, I do love it when he pulls it out of the bag. And he's just holding it there. Screwface is dead, man. No. <laughs> uh, James, can you please cut that? <laughs> I no. would love that. No would have been awesome if Seagal tried to do it. I was waiting. I was waiting for him to do a, an, an accent. I was like, please, uh, please, please let him do it. There's tape out there somewhere of him doing it. I mean, he literally. This, oh, for sure. I'm sure this movie inspired his song. Right. He must have been influenced by the culture when they were shooting those scenes to get into his Caribbean music career. Well, also, yeah. when they're in the bar. Uh, finding that girl that was with Screwface, or like that could lead them to Screwface. Yeah. Th- did you did you guys watch this movie with the captions on? No. Okay, I watched. I did. Yeah. I watched everything with captions on, pretty much. And that song is about Seagal and Screwface. Oh, I th- yeah, and about I, yeah, it's about Screwface. Yeah. I read I read that. And it's about <laughs> it, it, it's like it's John. The, like, the character's name is John in the song. Who's gonna kill? Who's gonna battle Screwface? Screwface, you know that you're t- Yeah, well, Learns. supposedly he wrote that al- along with somebody else. No that song. fucking way did he write that song. I, I don't think that he song wrote is it, way too good to be written by Seagal. <laughs> it's not his Poontang song. Uh, Poonani. Oh, drop drop that right here. One of the most disgusting <laughs> bits of <laughs> culture. Uh-huh. It's an amazing world we live in. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the stuff when they assault the the base is pretty fun too. Like they're going in. Uh, there's some good kills there with Seagal. He breaks that one dude's leg in a weird way and puts him down on the ground. And I think he was, uh, I think there was a cut there where he killed that guy, but instead he just leaves them there and you hear the guy go like, Oh, <laughs> but when he's uh, finding a couple of those guys in that room, it looks really funny. Cause there's some guys at this point, they're like, we've run out of extras that have dreadlocks. <laughs> so there's like guys with like really terrible dreadlock wigs on in that scene. They look really funny. Yeah. They're white guys, right? Were they? I didn't notice that, but I just I, I just looking I felt, at these wigs like, oh man, those are bad. I, I honestly felt like when they're in Jamaica and they're in that fight scene that there's a bunch of white guys in blackface with wigs on. That, oh, that's Jesus. what it. That's what it felt like. I could be wrong, but um, they, now he kills the Screwface twin. I think he breaks his back or something. Like he, like, yeah, he breaks his back. Oh, no, 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 no. The first one. Sorry, the first one. He he. He chops the head off with the sword. Oh, okay. he, he gets the sword up into his nuts and then whips it out and chops yeah. his head off. Right. Uh, and that stuff's pretty fun. Um, and that's the scene where you get, it looks like, oh, Seagal can be hurt for once in a movie. He's getting smashed into the bar and stuff. Yeah, totally. And that's because this was a different studio than his regular uh, movies. And they insisted on having some 
some scenes where he gets hit himself because normally he would not allow that in a movie. Yeah, see, and this is what this is what I'm talking about. Like, if he had a get kept going this route, I think he would have had a little more staying power. Other than the fact that you know he's just a piece of shit in real life. But this um, is what right. we talk about all the time. It's the same thing. It's always the best action heroes are the ones who are vulnerable. Like for me right. at least, right? If you look at Jackie Chan, you look at like Bruce Willis and Die Hards and stuff like that, you know, and that's why these movies are so much better than like Hobbs and Shaw, which I always go back to, <laughs> which is that that Vin Diesel, um, The Rock, Jason Statham shit. Where I think, um, you know, these guys take it too seriously. They take it to a point. Like, I get why Seagal might want to have that generally be a th- his thing, where it, it adds to his mystique that he had at the time, which was, oh, he's like, you know, nobody can fuck with this guy. But you, but you got to have a little bit of, yeah, of that, but, right? But that's because I think that Seagal's going for almost the shaman-esque He's like there's something he is, ethereal. He is above everyone. Exactly. You, which, he's almost yeah. he's almost like walking between the raindrops a little bit. And that's how he gets out of everything. So to see him get hit, like James is saying, is good. This is why it's, it's probably one of his best films. But where we go to our modern action films, a lot of the ones that we talk about, it's it's just so clean and I don't know, there's no one gets dirty, no one gets like the shit kicked out yeah, of because, because even when we're talking about other Seagull movies with with pretty memorable villains, like William Forsyth is pretty memorable in O for Justice, but in that final fight, Seagull just kicks the ever-living shit out yeah. of him. Uh, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones in Under Siege is a great villain, but he doesn't land any hits, right? Seagull yeah. just fucks him up with the knives. Yeah. Um, so this is this is one where it's like, okay, well, Screwface is like a serious fucking villain. He gets some hits in on Seagull. Like, he actually has a chance. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think it's one of his better because one, how violent it is. Two, he actually gets hit and hurt. And you also have an amazing villain in this movie. So yeah, he's a, he's a really memorable one, I think. Um, and then we get you know the second Screw Face fight once he goes back and he tells the gang guys like Screw Face is dead. You can all fuck off or you're all gonna die. <laughs> he tells them. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, we find out he come, shows up, kills Tom Wright's character, and uh, oh, here, here he is. He's got, he's still alive somehow. Yeah, exactly. Which um, is shocking. Course, yeah, but we get that, you know, he gets that line, like, you killed my brother, so we know, okay, so it's not magic. It's, uh, right. they're, they're just twins, but. That's that's a fun idea, though, and I do think it's a funny line when, you know, after he breaks Screwface number two's back and then throws him down the elevator shaft to be impaled, he's like, uh, God, I hope they weren't triplets. <laughs> he says <laughs> at the end. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Seagal has a lot of funny lines in this movie, and, like, there's almost so many that... Like, I'm just thinking back to the one where he kills, uh, what is it, Jimmy Fingers or something? Yeah, the scummy um, mafia guy. Yeah. yeah, where he's like, you know, I'll kill you or something. And then Seagal's like, he says something about God. And then he says, God made men or something. He, like, said, like, he said, I'm a made man. And he says, God, uh, and he kills the guy. And then he says, God made men. <laughs> and it's like... 
Oh my god, it's so and, bad. But the implication but... is that Seagull unmakes them, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that scene. That's a great scene. And, you know, again, this goes to that, like, I don't know, there's just a level of violence that Seagull seemed willing to go to that other action heroes of the time didn't necessarily. Like, he, he has no compunction about... This guy pulls out a gun, he blows the guy's brains out immediately. But it's like, you know, he wanted the guy to pull out the gun, right? Like, it's not oh, like... for sure. You don't get the sense like, oh, I just had to defend myself. It's like, no, Seagal is looking for any opportunity to kill these people. Yeah, well, I, and Seagal fight scenes are, they're very short. That's why you have usually, like, multiple people attacking him at the same time. Because he does his his whatever it is where he just, like slap hits somebody to the side and um you know and then breaks his limb or whatever and then he's dead um but this one there's a little more because there's like say 10 people attacking him at once yeah and he kind of like sends them into each other and stuff like that and uh, and then we get that guy that this is the you know the scene with the lines that you like the line you love so much james um but this this guy is like what does he say? He says something about like uh, screw face will do me ten times worse than that, and he just like runs and jumps out the window. Yeah, and commits well, suicide. <laughs> I know, but that just goes to the fear, which which is awesome because even the professor talks about how um, the reason why the gang, the posse, is doing all this is because. They they believe in this voodoo power that Screwface has, and they fear Screwface more than death because of what yeah. he can do. Yeah, and I yeah, liked no, all cool. that. It's awesome. All that stuff was really great. Like, yeah, this like the more you talk about it, James, I think the more you're you're totally right. This is it's a good movie. Like, it's there's elements in here that could be done better, but 1990, this came out. I think we would be all about this. If we were, yeah. if we I, were, I was, <laughs> you're also like a hundred years old. We were a bit younger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was definitely one I rented many times. Um, but yeah, that, that, that line and we've already talked about it, but it's just one of the all time single classics after that. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, do you guys want to do talk about more or do you guys want to do a box office top 10 box yeah, let's office? Do a, let's do a box. Let's office. do a box. Office. I think we've I th- hit, hit everything. Yeah, right, before, I think we pretty much covered it all. Before we uh, get into the box office game, let's do a new thing. Let's say, are we going to recommend this movie? Hell yeah! Yeah, I mean, you for, know, if you need, if you got, if you got a Seagull hankering, this is one of the go tos for fans of for fans of what other movies are going to like this. I think if you're a fan of uh, Predator Van, Two, <laughs> yeah, Predator Two for sure. But I think if you're a fan of like. Uh, Van Damme or you know even Stallone it's not necessarily Schwarzenegger style that's for sure but I don't know even even Bruce Willis style movies I don't know yeah I'd recommend it I'd say check it out if you're into like the skeezy kind of 90s early 90s late 80s I mean maybe Dustin you can give some insight like Chuck Norris movies or Chuck Norris movies like this or are they just more um, of a toned no, down version of uh, Van really. Damme? There's the one Chuck Norris movie that's kind of like a slasher movie called Silent Rage that has a bit more of a dark uh, edge to it than most of the Chuck Norris stuff but I mean Norris is more firmly the canon 
you know, cheaply right. made, lots of shooting, um, big explosions and stuff. So cool. Right. All right. Well, this movie came out uh, domestic week uh, 40, uh, 1990, October 5th to 8th to the weekend. So just outside the top 10, I just want to mention a couple of movies. At number 16, we've got Miller's Crossing. Uh, at 15, we've got Dark Angel. Oh, yeah. Oh, at 12, Dark we've Angel. got Death Warrant. Oh, and Van Damme. Yeah. And a big movie, I would say, that was number 11 would be Pretty Woman. So, I mean, I mean, you could go have a pretty good time at the old Cinema Dome yeah. this weekend in 1990. Mm-hmm. But so this movie debuted. Do you want to guess where it debuted in the top 10, James? Uh, I'm going to say like four. Oh, cool. Good, Dustin. Four. I'm going to say maybe two. I don't know. Seagal was was decently big at this time, but he, Under I, Siege was his real breakthrough. I don't know. I think this is like, isn't this like his peak or the turning point of where he started going down? Or? This, is, this just, is just before Under Siege, yeah. which was like his biggest movie. I, oh, I'd okay. say his first three movies are his best three movies. Yeah. Um, hard I agree. to kill. You're leaving out for justice out of the. Out no, of that is loop. that number? Oh, is it above the law? Hard to kill. Oh, maybe out for justice is number, number three. three. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then marked for death. Let's is just after do that, this yeah. again. Oh, so it's top four then. Top four. Oh uh, yeah, out for justice was right after this one. Oh, it's right after. Okay, interesting. Let me take a look here. One two punch. Above right the there. law, hard to kill, marked for death, out for justice, under siege. Okay, so it's the top. His five. His five films there, I say yeah. that I I think Under Siege is probably one of the weakest films. Um, that's the beginning of him just going fucking off the rocker. Well, I mean Under Siege we, when we did it on the show, it, it's a decent movie. Yeah, it's, like it's it's well executed in terms of the direction and stuff. Yeah, it's, but it's just not one of his most exciting. No, but I'm saying after that it goes to On Deadly Ground. Yeah, On Deadly Ground. Under Siege yeah. Two, Executive Decision. Isn't he an Executive Decision for like? Two minutes. Yeah. He dies. dies at the beginning. Um, so I think what happens with Under Siege is he he becomes so he's very popular and then he he has more input into what his character is gonna say or do, where this one is more like, No, this is what you're gonna do, this is written by somebody else. Um so he's kind of more told where Later on in Under Siege, it's like more. No, I'm Seagal. Like I'm, I'm a hot property right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what is gonna be best. Uh, well, I give it, That's give my me, opinion. Give me the. Where, where were we on the? Yeah, I mean that could be that could be the case too. And we've seen the egos that grow on these guys once their careers sort of progress to a certain point. My thing was wrong before. So my thing was wrong before. I was looking at only new releases for that week. So this is the. It's fixed. So. Uh, number 10 is actually going to be Pretty Woman. All right, so you guys said two and what, four? I said four, yep. All mm-hmm. right, so we got number 10, we got Pretty Woman. Number nine, we got Narrow Margin. I don't know what that is. Then we got eight, Desperate Hours. Seven, Flatliners. Six, Postcards from the Edge. Mm-hmm. Number five, all-time classic Goodfellas. Uh, number four, one of James's favorites, Ghost. Number three, Pacific Heights. <laughs> two is the re-release of Fantasia. Oh, and wow. number one with fourteen million two hundred and seventy-seven thousand two hundred and sixty-nine dollars in one thousand nine hundred and sixty-eight theaters is marked for death. Wow. So that's good, impressive. Good for you, Stephen. Yes, yeah, Stephen. <laughs> I will. 
wish you success. <laughs> Nothing but the yeah. best. May you may you live a thousand years. <laughs> well, let's rate this movie. All right, James, go ahead. All right, so my personal reaction is a seven overall, six point four. I think I rated it the highest out of everyone here. Yeah, you did. Uh, my reaction's a six, and my overall score ends up being a six. Yeah, my rating went up a bit. While talking to you, uh, I give it a reaction of a 6 and overall a 5.8, which gives it overall a 6.1. Which means it's tied with, at number 74, Die Hard 2, Mission Impossible, The Fifth Element, and The Punisher, and Action USA, oh, and Demolition Man. The Punisher is wow. the 1989 version. Yeah, the yeah. 1989. I guess I'd probably put this right before that. Because I, I enjoyed that, but I think this is a little bit more fun and a little more gory and just, I don't know, a violent good time. <laughs> so before that, but behind the fifth element. Yeah, that's what I would say, I think. I'm going to go with Dustin. Mm. I'm I'm there. Yeah, I mean, it. it's kind of, I don't know. Like, the all these movies are really enjoyable to watch yeah. um, for, the, for their own, you know, reasons. But, yeah, Demolition Man. That's a really fun movie. Um, I mean, Action USA. Action USA is super fun. So, yeah. Yeah, so that eh, makes sense. I'm kind of, it doesn't really matter <laughs> to me. So <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't like say that March for Death is a better movie than Mission Impossible or Die Hard 2. Like, those are better made movies. But oh, yeah. This but is a fun movie. This is, this is definitely a fun movie. So that's a new number 77. I think this is the highest Seagal movie. Oh, wow. I yeah. think. I'll have to double check that. But Yeah, I think you're probably right. Because even out for Justice, uh, you, guys, you guys weren't ready for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't ready. Yeah. You weren't prepared. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please check us out on Instagram. Uh, that's the easiest way to find links to all of our stuff uh, our patreon action action and we'll see you next week